Hello and welcome. You're listening to Requires Improvement, a podcast that aims to critically discuss all aspects of the current UK education system from a left-wing perspective. So, happy Tory Manifesto Day. Um, We may have to rename our podcast from Requires Improvement to Outstanding after December the 12th, after the barnstorming Labour victory. (laughs) So this may very well be our very last ever Requires Improvement. (laughs) Testify. So um, our today's um, today's requires improvement will be a manifesto general election special. I'm Tom, a humanities teacher and school rep in Bristol, and today I'm joined by. Uh, hi, my name's Nick. I'm a school rep uh, and a humanities teacher just outside of Bristol. I'm Lauren. I'm a science teacher based in Bristol. I'm Charlie. I'm a primary school supply teacher. And I'm Lee. I'm a history teacher and a union rep. So what are we going to uh, just go through manifesto by manifesto? Let's start with the Liberal Democrats, uh, everyone's favourite Liberal Party. Indeed. So, uh, <laughs> are they? <laughs> um, not, not my favourite. No, really. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, out there. Maybe top twenty. Right. I don't know. <laughs> How many there are? Um, I mean, so I mean, I can start with my favourite Lib Dem uh, Lib Dem policy. Should I do that? Yeah. Uh, my favourite one is uh, the skills wallets. Do you have a skill wallet, Charlie? I've got at least five, mate. Lee, do you have a skill wallet? Always losing them, wallet? though. <laughs> uh, I, I, like to think, I like to think of it more as like a, an aspiration pouch. Right. <laughs> Tom, Tom, do you have a skills wallet? I'm looking at my skills wallet right now. <laughs> Lauren, do you have a skills wallet? Um, I have a, a positivity pouch, is what I have. Right. But what you actually need in your lives is a Liberal Democrat uh, skills wallet. Uh, this is not a part of the female anatomy, as some people have been saying. Uh, this is, I think, just is typical of Lib Dem. Uh, well, like reading through the Lib Dem um, manifesto, it's typical of their ideas. They're kind of overly complicated, and I just cannot imagine anyone on a doorstep being able to explain this, or even like in a workplace canteen, you know, like over the kettle or something, kind of say, oh, I might vote Liberal Democrat this time. Because um, they've got these skills wallets. Oh, what's that? Well, the skills wallet, uh, when you're 25, they'll give you four grand to put into some educational training. Then when you're 40, you'll get another three grand. And then when you're 55, you'll get another three grand. These seem to be completely arbitrary times of your life. I don't really know what it's linked to, random um, amounts of money. Um, and, uh, you know, like further education has been completely decimated in this country. Like it is rubbish that we can't actually improve ourselves. Um, and that, you know, there's very few things there. But this just seems such a, like such a weird policy. I just don't really get it. <laughs> it's like, you know, the ones like in the thick of it where they're sat in the back of the cab yeah. and they're just like <laughs> going, oh, right, hang on, quick, quick, we need a policy. We're about to go to this like, you know, announcement. And um, it just it feels a bit like that to me. But also with the with the actual um, numbers, is that going to is it going to account for inflation? I mean, because like, if they're saying three grand when you're 40, well, OK what's that going to look like? What can that get you when you're 40? Yeah, maybe like a slight amount of a master's, but I think master's are now covered in in loans anyway, so it's not at the point of use. It's not going to make that much of a difference. And But how does that affect your loan? Does it just make your loan smaller? Because at the moment we do have the loans. I've got another um, thought on it, which is 
So it starts at 25, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you've got that and you're 25 and you don't use um, your chunk of money, when you turn 40, do you get to use both or is it time limited? Can you put them all together at 55 and actually finally do your degree? Because it would just about cover, well, cover one year. So maybe it wouldn't actually. Like, I, it. It needs more explanation than I don't think it's really been provided. And also, thanks to Lib Dems, the cost of a year of a degree is currently nine grand. So, thank you. You know, never forget. No. <laughs> Hashtag twenty ten. Um, yeah, that was. You know, I mean, obviously, there's quite a high possibility of a Liberal Democrat um, majority. Um, if you've been listening to what Joe Swinson's been oh, saying, yeah. I've seen so the bar charts. In this kind of, it would be a bit, little bit like, um, yeah. It, <laughs> betrayed by a bar chart the bar chart is like your it's the first chart you ever learn isn't it to be betrayed by one of those is quite it's quite no, sad it's the and pictogram upsetting. to be fair we've got to give credence to the pictogram and no no um party has yet used a pictogram a fraudulent pictogram. pictograms are first then bar charts next election i reckon <laughs> um well let's say you had this kind of man in the high castle type dystopian lib dem future with these big yellow banners um flying from everything um and you did have a society based around um skills wallets um would that not be really would that not make um it'd be really weird because everyone i don't know like everyone from a certain school year turning 25 at the same time all applying for courses and things like that it's just really weird and inflexible it just doesn't make any sense i think they've plucked this out of their skills wallets this this policy the, this just uh, sounds they, like it's not been thought out well. Like, well it sounds like they've come up with like an activity that you might put on in a sick form rather than a policy that could be applied to you know government <laughs> Uh, another one I have enjoyed uh, in the sense that it just sounds ridiculous is um, the fact that the Ofsted plan is to replace it with the much friendlier HM Inspector of Schools. Now, the difference between that and Ofsted so far that they've explained is that now it will be an inspection every three years. Um, and that will include private schools and free schools, which is the big difference. Uh, so currently... Basically three years anyway, long long the short of it, isn't it? Put it off to four some, years, really. Sometimes, yeah, it depends on the school. But but they help so much. That's exactly. Why, that's why we need so many inspections. They're really helping. Yeah, and it's uh, also going to be looking at the social and emotional development, so that's the key difference. But quite frankly, as far as I could tell, uh, my understanding from both yeah reading and what I've seen in schools is that they already are supposed to be looking at social and emotional development. And so sorry, in, uh, yeah. just that, that whole word social as well, you know, surely a lot of the social issues that these students face are issues around poverty and things that aren't education. So what are the Lib Dems going to do about that? Absolutely. And the other thing they're saying that they'll do is that they will look at pupil and staff well-being. Now, that's, again, something that the supposedly offset already do. Uh, what, how they do it is usually that they have interviews with the children and interviews with the teachers. And because of the nature of the whole day and not wanting to your school to do badly, even the teachers who are absolutely fuming with the um, general management of their school tend, as far as I know, as far as ever heard anyone say, they speak quite positively of their school, no matter what, because it's not worth risking it, because the consequences of a bad Ofsted or a bad inspection of any variety could be dire for your school. It's not going to help your well-being if you let a bad um, result of the inspection uh, happen because of something you've said. No good can come of telling an inspector the truth. The horrible, <laughs> horrible truth. Absolutely. So... 
basically, they're replacing Ofsted with Ofsted 2. And, and I have enjoyed watching this uh, Ofsted, the Lib Dem, let's get rid of Ofsted thing fall apart because there was a brief moment where they were ahead of Labour on this. Um, and you're thinking, oh, okay. You know, not 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 like I ever would ever vote Lib Dem, but there's a lot of like Lib Dem members in the NEU who are kind of resist any attempt from the NEU to like work more closely with the Labour Party. Um, and they would cite things like this, like, oh, we're getting rid of SATs, we're getting rid of Ofsted. But then now they've got this absolute shambles of policy. So that's been, that's been wonderful to watch um, fall to pieces. So. Ofsted to electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Too fast to Opstead. I've got another one. Got another one, unless anyone else has got another one. No, I'll go for it. Um, So, uh, again, this is typical of the kind of stuff in the Lib Dem um, manifesto. It was a slow um, week at at work this week. I um, was supposed to be doing marking, but I just read this instead. Um, They've got this idea for a young people's premium so schools now, they have this thing called pupil premium. Um, about a third of the nation's kids count as PP, um, pupil premium, and where the school gets like a little bit of extra money um, for having those kids in. And the idea is that you really, really push them because they're, they're at a disadvantage. They've got free school meals or it's normally that, isn't it? I think it's mainly just that. Are there any other things that make some PP? It's like low household income. A member of the armed forces. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so, well, our, our school at the moment, we're getting absolutely hammered because we've got a big gap between our people premium attainment and, um, the non, non PP attainment. Um, but the Lib Dems have kind of come in and they've said, right, we're going to push this and we're going to make it apply to 14 to 16. So it's a sixth form. We're going to have a thing called the young people's premium. So it's basically the same for the same criteria. The schools will get a bit of extra money for having, uh, kids like that and also the kids themselves will get a little bit of that cash paid back that is basically the ema the educational maintenance allowance which the liberal democrats voted to slash when they came in with the tories and they got rid of anyway so like again and this this is another theme going through the tory manifesto to an extent and the lib dems is um we're going to give you back some of the things that we hacked away but we're going to try and word it as if we invented it in the first place no, it's, it's absolutely right. So many of the Lib Dems' uh, pledges are to do with fixing uh, things that they helped ruin when they went into coalition with the Tories. Uh, others, including addressing the backlog in school repairs. It's a simple one, like, you know, those repair back, um, repairs are desperately overdue because of the fact that the schools haven't got enough money. I mean, it doesn't say explicitly, but it's quite clear. They've also said they're going to reverse the school funding uh, and reduce the class sizes to 2015 levels. So when was 2015? Oh, it was when the Tories went in on their own. So they're basically saying, remember when we were in coalition with like the Conservatives? Mm. When we finished, it was good then, wasn't it? It wasn't good. Like the class sizes averages in 2010 when they started the coalition uh was 24.4 uh 2015 when they've left so that's when they're saying they want to get back to was 26 and now four years later it's gone up to 27 so the relative increase isn't that much so what they're pledging is the relative decrease won't be that much either and as we all know like we're seeing loads of schools which which have a huge number of uh, schools way above that anyway so the, the difference is very small. And I think, I don't know who's supposed to be convinced by um, the idea of getting a little bit of money directly to the kids 
who who's supposed to think that's really special, especially as the only chance they've got of getting in will be with the Conservatives and will the Conservatives put up with that? The Conservatives haven't put in their budget an extra little bit of agreeing to what the Lib Dems say. If they do ever bring out their costings, it's not going to cost the Lib Dems. So how's that even going to work? And I, and the EMA was good. I, I got it. And yeah, admittedly, I did spend quite a lot of it in the pub, but still... It but it good. motivated you to stay in school. Yeah, and actually, buses. <laughs> no, seriously though, bus fare. Like, yeah, it was invaluable for that. Well, well just like buying stuff you need as well, and just just not being in poverty, just not feeling that kind of weight of I'm skin, I'm skin, I'm skin, I'm skin the whole time. Or having um, to find a part time job. And I think I'm at in the student protest in 2010. A large part of it, and I think a more forgotten part of it. Everyone remembers the tripling of fees, mm. but the cut to the EMA was a huge thing, and it did bring out a lot of kind of secondary school and sixth form pupils out on the streets at the time. Yeah, I feel I always ask my um, sixth formers, "Oh, what are you up to this half term?" And they go working, and it's like, and at first I think, "Okay, right, I might have set you an essay or something," but you can't be working all weekend, all all, all weeks. Like, no, 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 working in jobs and stuff. I don't really understand what they spend their money on. To be honest, well, Chloe's, it's like, is it? But like, well, but anyone, any teenager wants to spend the money on, and that's you know, I, you know, I was being flippant when I was saying I spent some of it in the pub, but it's because that meant I didn't have to work as many hours in my part time job. Mm. Because the reason you work and you're that age and you're going, you know, you're you're living your life and you're starting to do things independently of your parents and you want to be a bit financially independent as well. So just having that extra thing meant I was working fewer hours, which was good, yeah. And the Lib Dems are bringing it back, so yeah, great. yay. <laughs> When they them. come into power, we can all look forward to that. Thanks, Chukar. A custard wave. Do we... We're sort of putting... I bring it back to the Labour Party. Does anyone know if the Labour Party's made any similar pledges or is there anything that's going to uh, equate or be equivalent? Uh, Labour has pledged to, and they've called it the edu- Educational Maintenance Allowance, so they are bringing it back along with Sure Start and a lot of other really solid stuff. Excellent. So the key difference there then being that the Lib Dems are changing the definition of it in order to hide the fact that it's just a flip back to what they took away in the first place. Well, actually, I mean, also this one would only be, this one would be means tested as well. So that's another big difference between Lib Dem stuff is they'll say, we've got all these good, all these great policies, look at them. But then when you look at it, it's like, actually, most people won't really be in receipt of this. Um, you just have this another layer of bureaucracy all over everything. Yeah, and they'll, and they'll like, spend several billion trying to administrate it badly yeah. uh, to no effect that you could save that money if you just made it an entitlement. Yeah. And people kind of fall through the cracks with those things as well, don't they? That's why like, people get very, very angry about um, look on the doorstep with benefits. There'll be people who are like working and they're on benefits, but they'll look at people who are kind of falling into a slightly different bracket and they perceive that as unfair and it makes them angry. And it's like, no, these things just need to go to everyone because it does improve the whole of society and we can afford it. Um, but we can't, sorry, we can't afford not to, if you think of it um, that other way around. Um, just an interesting point. I'm just looking at the Labour manifesto now. And apparently, I, 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 how do I not know this? But the uh, Welsh Labour government have actually already brought back the EMA. Yeah. So, yeah, Scotland it says well. here, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah bringing back the education maintenance allowance as the Welsh Labour government has already done. Yeah, not to say that um, like Welsh and uh, Scottish schools um, don't suffer a, a lot under austerity, but they have always, because of you know the levels of devolution that they have had access to, like always since, since austerity got put um, in place, been able to slightly avoid some of the hardest parts of it because they had that choice, because they were like by and large made the choices to avoid austerity and so uh, and academization 
yeah. that have academies yeah. in yeah. Um, in those schools. Um, and for, I don't know how the examples work, but um, you know, a lot of school and people listening to podcasts who aren't teachers might know that like some schools in in England choose to do the Welsh board of exams just because it. I don't know. Uh, I just remember back in the RE one, it was just just a better exam, just more interesting, um, less punitive. Like the questions were a bit better. Um, you had a bit more choice over the way you t- teach and things like that. So um, again, um, that is an that is an advantage there that we don't have because it's all sort of centrally done and um, been hacked to pieces and atomized. Have we seen also the um, way the Lib Dems would like uh, the curriculum to be further improved or changed in the future? Uh, if they had it their way, they would establish an independent body of education experts. I don't know how they would find these experts and how they would be selected, probably not democratically. Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter. And they would oversee the curriculum changes and take them out of the hands of the politicians, which sort of suggests... And the teachers. And the teachers, (laughs) exactly. What we need is we need a new class of person, half teacher, half politician, Hmm. on a six-figure salary. Consultant? Yes, we'll call them consultants. You might bump into a few of them at the conference. Yeah. Yeah, there's too many of these consultancy people uh, around anyway. I don't really think they know what they're talking about. And it's all very navel-gazing-y and they're paid too much. We'll get one on in a future episode of this podcast. <laughs> Could be fun. Yeah, I mean, who would you even get? I'm so tedious for all that edgy Twitter stuff. I can't, I struggle to... There's a few people I follow, but only just to get angry about about them. <laughs> Can anyone think of anyone good? Or good. Well, not good. I mean, entertaining. Uh, requires improvement pod <laughs> yeah yeah i, I want to give a shout out to the very few uh sort of uh not even they're not, they wouldn't ever class themselves as uh, consultants but teachers on the left who do actually go out and do activism and occasionally they get to speak their mind to small audiences and uh you know i want to give a shout out to someone like uh, children's author alan gibbons uh oh, yeah. he's pretty fucking staunch he's willing to talk about structural reform as the base rock of any meaningful change in education and so they do exist like you know twinkling stars in the night sky uh Shout out to them. But uh, any paid consultants who took tour for multi-academy <laughs> trusts, you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if people like, yeah, James Bakash or Holly oh, Rigby yeah, yeah, yeah. were part of these experts, then it'd be a different Friend, show. But it's never going to be them, is it? Friends of the show. <laughs> uh, it would be a whole bunch of weird Lib Dem teachers or ex-teachers or ex-head teachers who just, yeah, had well, their own vision and their own agenda well i mean i was thinking more recently i mean it it comes up every year at any eu conference um the motion should we look into affiliating with the labor party and becoming one of the unions that is tied to labor party and it's always it's one of the few votes that kind of never gets through there's always lots of beef on both sides about it and i always i change my mind like every speaker i hear on that kind of thing but then this year i was thinking when labor were kind of doing the clause five meeting and they're all in the you know the special little room and we're waiting for the white smoke to come out and see who the next pope is that kind of thing i was thinking why isn't there a fucking teacher in there that's that's what that's what i was thinking i think now i'm much more down the line of like i don't actually think we've got that much to lose by by affiliating like Oops. we just need the teachers in there yeah, yeah. david blunkett isn't coming back we can we can be confident we do have labor on our side yeah. When Jeremy Corbyn has spoke at conference year on year, it's, he always starts with, I'm just going to listen to you. My policy is going to be based around what teachers are telling me. And obviously we're going to get to the Labour manifesto in a minute. 
Absolutely. All right. So, but, so just one more thing on that. Because okay. and, and the, the downsides of affiliating would be that there's the upsides that we have now. So if we're doing any EU flyering, we can say, oh, we're not doing it for any particular party. And that actually sort of cuts through with some people. You know, the School Cuts website and our funding campaigns, we can say they're, they're sort of neutral, even though it's kind of heavily implied what, what we're sort of saying. Um, but I think we could still do that, really. People's knowledge of of the unions are so poor that if we say we're just a teaching union, they'll be like, all right. They wouldn't know if we were affiliated or not, unless we like said we wouldn't have to produce material. Like people don't say if you if like hospital workers were, you know, doing stuff for Unison, no one would be like, you're just the Labour Party. I, I would say that budget wise, like uh, when it comes to cost things of like the Labour right. budget for, uh, you know, all their campaigning, it's very rigorous. And so I think that probably the unions that are affiliated probably have to make sh- make sure they behave slightly differently and have to be a bit more careful. But it's still doable. Absolutely. But the, but the, but it just wouldn't might be done differently the, the Tories brought in that rule that's why all the charities are really like hamstrung in election times now aren't they because they can't really co- they can't really produce stuff without getting um, in loads of trouble for it so I think we're already having to jump through those hoops to be honest. yeah and I think um, we as teachers I think we should be confident about um, claiming co- uh, political power and um, throwing our weight around for want of a better expression the Labour Party was set up by workers by trade unionists and then very very quickly outsourced to a kind of professional pol- political class so we should kind of reclaim that heritage and history and get back in at the ground level and actually start shaping policy and actually shaping the political future in this country. Uh, I think for me, one of the most in- incisive points of this debate is um, when it comes to the question of uh, independence in during a Labour government. Because let's say we get what we want on the 12th. We want mm. a Labour government, we get a Labour government. We're going to need to put pressure both on the Labour government and the backlash that will come. Not that I even, you know, if we manage to defeat them on the 12th, I think it will be a heavy defeat for our opponents, vast as they are. Uh, but we should, we sh- I, you know, that th- th- there is some use in the present moment to political and financial independence from the Labour Party I- in the most supportive way possible. Mm. That's where I'm at. I think it's convenient for now. Yeah. But we should keep, I'm open to it in the future. Like I say, I get, yeah. swung, I get swung both ways on this debate. I really yeah. do. Yeah, Lee, you've just swayed me. So I retract <laughs> what I said two minutes ago. Thank you. Well, I mean, I've been to a Labour conference. So to me, I don't know, I think there could be so much good that the Labour Party could come, uh, could get um, for having the NEU on side. It's an enormous union now. Uh, and pe- people forget when they talk about affiliation uh, that you, if your union is affiliated, you still get to personally decide whether you affiliate yourself. Mm. And then the number of people who are affiliated as within their union to the Labour Party, they're all having to pay their subs. So most unions average somewhere between a, th- a third and a bit over half of all the members choosing to affiliate. So every single person who goes, I don't personally want to, it's like we could affiliate and you could still not personally do that. I know that that's not the only thing and they, they fear uh the general consequences of being affiliated overall as opposed to themselves personally but i th- i think that that's a distinction that doesn't get publicized enough uh when when we think about potentially affiliating but i think it's, it's going to be a long road i think it'll be much easier if uh labor wins uh on december the 12th um i i i'd love it but i think i could be patient i can wait and yeah just see how it wait goes your really skills wallet to <laughs> pave the way yeah. he's only five days away from his skills wallet as well <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
wallet. So if you were, everyone over the age of 55 has already missed it. So we say yeah. skills wallet gets rolled out tomorrow. You're 54, you're entitled. If you're 56, what's happening with you? Scrap heap. <laughs> Goo factory. Yeah. You're making the skills wallets. You're stitching them together. No, they're made out of your skin. Yeah. Oh, I bet they would, they would send you a physical wallet, I bet. <laughs> Covered in Lib Dem they would, like got the, advertisement. Um, they go for the baby box thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're giving kickbacks to Osborne as the stationer. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of skills wallets, well, actually, I've been doing uh, a lot of reading on the kind of the sort of Green New Deal um, part of the, the manifesto. And what I really like about it is the the kind of, A, the long-termism, because it's about time we had some long-termism politics, please, for the love of God. Um and also the fact that it really links in nicely with education policy. So, you know, having a having a really big push on getting students to learn about climate change and how to, to deal with it. Um, have um, the focus on universities as well to, to be skilling people and post-16 education to skill people up in the, in the new green industries that are going to emerge. Um, I think it's really important as well. And... Uh, at the end of the day, we know that climate change is one of the biggest, it is the single biggest issue facing all of humanity on the planet. Like this is beyond our island and this election. This is bigger than all of it. And we need to be electing governments where possible that are going to make this a priority issue. We're seeing what's going on in Brazil. We're seeing what's going on basically the, well, the entire globe over. Um, and it is really, really worrying. It's not even worrying, it's apocalyptic. Um, and the fact is we need, to, this is an important issue that we need to vote on. And I like the fact that um, that Labour have basically said that they're going to support energy workers, so current energy workers, um, through transition by retraining um, and giving them new unionised jobs in green energies, green new energies, which is fantastic. So they're offering to retrain people who might lose out on jobs in the energy sector for the new jobs that are going to be in our green energy sector, which is fantastic. Um, also, we've got the idea that... Um, they're going to basically pay for this by, well, essentially stopping people avoiding tax. Um, and it is re- it's costed as far as I can see. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a really good thing if people can have skills and have these this training for this new economy. They're, they're quoting about a million new jobs. Absolutely. Like, another yeah. another point about the uh the reskilling and or reallocating of people who are already already skilled uh if their job needs to change based on nationalization or whatever like the way that the unions you already unions already have like a massive influence on so many things about uh labor's policies i just can't see like obviously it hasn't been promised um, that I've seen officially, but I just can't see how any industry will be completely left out. Like for, for things that like I've seen people on online, people saying, "I work for you know a private uh, broadband company of one one variety or another, and I'm worried I'll lose my job." And then you respond, "Well, I, I don't think you will. I think you'll be fine. You'll be very skilled, and you'll be used within the nationalised. You won't be able um, to like system. chase for scraps the whole time. Obviously, like why would you start from the ground up with literally having to teach everyone how to, you know, lay the lines down, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. You wouldn't. You'd use the people you already had. Um, so they're not going to lose their jobs. Uh, hypothetically, if we come to that, 
um, teachers in private schools aren't going to lose their jobs. Like, you know, we've well, already actually, got examples of schools that were within the private system uh, being assimilated into the state system and none of them lost their jobs. It's not going to happen in the future. Did you see the, um, the thing out in TES today where they polled independent school, well, private school teachers and actually like overwhelming, like a third of them, which is like the biggest single chunk of them, um, are going to vote Labour. Uh, and a lot of them, I think they don't even have a problem with the Labour abolishing private schools thing, yeah. um, which is really interesting. Like the idea that everyone's like running scared from these policies is just just not true. Absolutely. And to to round off, if I may, unless anyone else has a uh, particularly exciting um, other policy from the Lib Dems, I wanted to say the last one uh, that I've seen that I thought was really interesting so the Lib Dems said a long time ago, actually, that they um, wanted to replace the SATs or abolish the SATs, they said, but the, now their promise is to replace the SATs with something. It's going to be uh, from testing in Key Stage 1 and 2 to the very, very different in all ways, and I quote, lighter touch testing at the end of Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. Uh, so the same spot spot the difference people it's really hard lighter um, touch what is lighter touch testing show me on the door where he lighter touched you <laughs> again oh, God. <laughs> oh dear lord okay um, so I'm going to be leaving the podcast now um, neglecting my hosting duties um, I'm going to go and spend the rest of Tory manifesto day with my family we're all really excited about this <laughs> Um, so I'll just leave you with a couple of kind of talking points that I think um, are important off the back of the Labour manifesto. The big one, obviously, with me leaving now for childcare reasons, the big one is um, 30 hours, three childcare from the age of two. That's going to make a huge difference. And I think the con that is childcare and nursery fees hits people at a really vulnerable time in their life at the time when they are least able to be politically active and to be vocal about injustices. So this is going to be a huge policy uh, which is going to have a quite a transformative effect, I think. The other big thing I think will be really interesting is um, Labour's commitment to democracy in education and giving teachers and local communities control over their schools again with the return of the local educational authority. I think that's going to be a huge huge fight with them and we talk about the hard work to hopefully be within a shot of electing a socialist Labour government the real challenge is going to be is going to start the day after that when we have to start doing things like taking power away from vested interests like multi-academy trusts and returning them to the people um, and with that um, I'll just leave with one final uh, thought I had um, flyering yesterday it's very interesting speaking to a colleague who was flyering and she'd had a very very tough uh, week at work basically having to sacrifice her health and well-being to paper over the cracks of what's been a decade of austerity, dealing with some really tough situations. And she was speaking to a lifelong Conservative voter whose daughter um, is a special educational needs voter. And this um, woman was saying, just asking the question, how can they be so callous? How can they be so callous? I'm not going to vote Tory this time. So that's where I'll leave you with those three little nuggets to discuss and chew over. And um, I'll see you all next time. And thanks for listening, listeners. Cheers, Tom. Thanks so much. So, guys, uh, we're going to pick up here by uh, looking at the hot off the presses Conservative Manifesto. Uh, new new documents, new PDFs of which have dropped whilst we're live recording. So we thought we'd take a little take a little look see. Um, for anyone uh, reading at home, uh, go, go to go to page thirteen, and that's where you're going to see. Uh, 
the title Invest in Our Schools. And the easy thing about it is, whereas for the Labour manifesto especially, uh, and to a degree the, the Lib Dem manifesto, I had to read through and condense many pages into three pages of notes and the Lib Dem manifesto into two pages of notes. The Tory manifesto is um, education section is all in one page. And I think if I was going to, not that I've had the time, because as I say, we've came out while we were alive. If I had the time to condense this, I think I'd struggle to get a full page out of it. Back of a beer map? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. three points, isn't it? Exactly. Um, so that shows how much they care, how much they thought about it, and how much they're keen to change. I mean, you know, if we if we try and uh, attack this uh, big headline funding claim, uh, the promise of an extra 14 billion in funding for schools, uh, they're saying this translates to 150 million a week, and it all, it all sounds on the surface uh, very plausible and pleasing. Uh, but they're guaranteeing brass tax. What it means per pupil is that they're saying at least five grand a year. Well, look, the children who go to school in secondary state-funded schools in the city of Westminster already get five grand a year. Mm. Uh, every other school in the country has been doing with, shall we say, a lot less per pupil for uh, the last nine years and so you know 14 billion uh, in promises from Boris Johnson is uh, worth about zero pounds in the hand um, I, I'm, I'm just I find these headline figures an attempt to distract and misinform and they don't come packaged with any meaningful structural reform in fact this policy this one page of the manifesto on education um, could be you know boiled down to uh, carry on as we are boy this is a status quo education manifesto yeah, um, and yeah, the, the idea that you know they're going to come in and they're going to change it and they're going to boost the money is ridiculous because it's the it's you know ten years of deficit we've been running. Um, going to use that deficit word back against them, ha! But it's like um, you know the reason why the buildings are all falling apart, the reason why um, we've got fifty percent of teachers who don't have more than five years' experience. Um, the reason why everyone that is in a management role is a complete and utter imbecile who doesn't know what they're doing is because we've got this legacy of poor funding. So just levelling up that funding, you know, if, if that money did appear on January the 1st, um, it, the structures aren't there. It's just not there. It just needs a, lo it just needs a lot more than just, than just that money. And in terms of like the reforms they're proposing as well, I mean, like unless anyone's got anything else to say on um, the money stuff. I mean, like, so the, the headlines, what they're saying is... Um, discipline so um they're going to um it sounds like they want to encourage heads to use exclusions like and that is kind of red meat that is a kind of red meat to the masses um kind of policy there because you've got a lot of parents who are like my kids are perfect but the reason my schools are bad is because there's some bad people not a system there's some bad people who ruin it for everything else so so good get rid like um, and then if you look a little bit further down in the manifesto, they talk about um, increasing the amount of alternative provision um, schools. So for kids who have been excluded now, like, I mean, we do like I kind of broadly support the no more exclusions movement. I, in theory, I would want to be abolitionist. Um, but that said, I've worked in schools where management weren't excluding kids and those places just got very, very difficult. Um, but it's not. A good fix and actually what the Tories I think are trying to do is to kind of have a a two-tiered system um almost like almost like a grammar school in a slightly different way certain kids they'll probably be racialized it'll be largely kids with SEN as well um with ADHD um pathological demand avoidance things like that um they will just be got rid of put into these alternate provision schools and no one will care about 
what they do there. Uh, no one care about their standards. They won't get the proper funding. Um, it's not going to be what the kids need. It's just going to be a way of isolating those people. And it's, you know, it's the opposite of, of an inclusive school system that we need. Um, yeah, scary stuff. Most most um, alternative provision um, schools are already at breaking point uh, and the people who work in them are already very aware that what they're doing uh, is not sufficient to really support those children. And yeah, I, I agree. I I'm, would love to be abolitionist entirely. I think at the current moment uh, we're not ready for it. But what we definitely uh, don't need is simply increasing the number of these alternate provision schools to the point, um, yeah, where where children are basically cast off at the first moment that they might do something wrong and never getting the support that they they require to, um, you know, flourish and do really well. I think it's really disappointing. And to return to uh, you, what you said about um, the general discipline uh another thing i read and i'm I'm trying to look to see if it is mentioned as well in the uh pdf manifesto we've got here uh very quickly but I, what i remember being on the website was just a matter of um hours ago was that a part of the discipline improvement plan uh will be to have special behavior hubs these will be hubs that are going to put 10 million into this, apparently. Hubs solve everything, don't they? Oh, Just uh, hub, there's a hub for that, isn't there? Yeah. Tell me a problem that hasn't been solved with a hub. Yeah. Um, so these hubs are going to uh, be places where schools with very good behaviour, as the Tories see it, uh, can meet with schools. Say posh schools. Indeed. Uh, or schools even what, in the fascist state. Fascist academies. Fascist they might academies. be worth unpacking that. But yeah, so their idea, so the conservative idea of good behaviour is, uh, the model of that is, I can't remember what the school's called. In London, the Michaela School is the Michaela School, and what is the head teacher's name? Burble Singh. Burble yeah. Singh. So that's the school that you might have heard of, where they kind of enforce the kids to walk around in silence in the corridors and stuff. And they irritatingly did quite well in their results um, last summer, and the toys were like pushing and pushing that. So their idea of discipline is kind of it's behaviour, but it's not behaviour for learning. It's behaviour for sit there as a sponge and absorb. Um, um, uh, you know, and that's that's going to. If, if all schools are going to have to be like that, then that's going to massively increase the amount of kids who are going to need to go into alternative provision because, surprisingly, kids can't really be quiet. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a childhood um, if you have a school like that. Absolutely. So, the yeah, those good school, um, maybe maybe it'll be representatives, maybe the head teachers, maybe it'll be some special teachers uh, who were chosen uh, to go meet with the teachers or head teachers from the bad schools with the bad behaviour and they'll hash it out and discuss it and figure out what those terrible bad schools are doing wrong because obviously it's either the teachers, the head teachers or someone else, but someone can personally just learn a few lessons and figure it all out. Uh, the thing that they're missing there is that schools uh, who struggle with their behaviour plans already readily make uh, attempts to meet with and also even form federations with, in some cases, schools with much better behaviour uh, for the purposes of yeah trying to fix it. I've seen it somewhat work and I've seen it make zero difference. Uh, it's hit and miss and at the end of the day these hubs that 10 million will it go towards any of those people being attending those hubs covering the extra time they're putting into it or the time that they're donating to uh, trying to implement those improvements I don't know it just sounds hollow to me the whole thing uh, and it sounds uh, misguided and ultimately they're still not dealing with the actual issue which is child poverty 
you know, that's it. <laughs> Low aspirations comes from, it's a cycle of poverty and they're not doing anything to address the cause. Again, it's like, oh, my ceiling's caved in, the water's coming through. Quick, I'll just quickly plaster it over. It will look all right for five minutes. Just enough so people fall for our bollocks. Another mention um, for the manifesto uh, by the Tories is that they're going to help teachers tackle bullying. Like, honestly, there's no description really. Uh, they, they said it's including not. homophobic bullying, which obviously yeah. is. Free work positive, experience at border control. Is that, uh, is that to help teachers from being bullied by the trade unions, perhaps? Uh, please don't bully us. Right to work. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are they going to send in some Conservative MPs to just help have a little standoff in the playground, the bullies versus teachers and MPs? I don't know. No, they're going to SWAT raid this podcast. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, yeah, and there's, there's another, so there's, three, there's the discipline point. Uh, there's the other one about like creating more great schools, which is basically them saying, so alternative provision, but then it's also them kind of pushing the free school thing. So saying having more like specialised math schools and all these like gifted and talented, I don't know, physics schools or something like that. I don't even know what that would, um, that would look like really. Um, and all this idea about parental choice being in there which we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast that we think it's kind of pretty much overrated every, every school in you know should be reflective of its local community and that's where you should send kids but it's them saying like we love academies academies are great um you should like them too we're winning we've yeah there's what we've done in the last nine years has been great we're just going to do more of it parental choice is not the same as parental entitlement oh right. i've just seen one bit right at the bottom uh this is a weird one in bold um promote physical literacy and competitive sport. Promote it. Com- promote competitive... Physical literacy. This is the Hunger Games. <laughs> oh my God, there's going to be a Hunger Games, isn't there? The, uh, it's physical literacy reading body language. It's battle, battle what the fuck royale. is that? Literally, what is that? You, you know all the names for your muscles? It's where, it's where they teach you avant-garde like theatre studies. They get you to like physically act as, as you riff words. <laughs> I won't. Actually maybe, to do that. maybe some that. interpretive dads, you know. That's that's another joy about um, you know all these manifestos, and even you know when we were talking and joking earlier about the skills wallet, like their choice, both the Lib Dems and the Conservatives plan to create stupid phrases that mean nothing, so that they could avoid the fact that they're also doing nothing. Mm. I just. Physical literacy. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that is weird. That bit's under the kind of we'll invest in arts, music and sport. So again, they've kind of, they're admitting there, well, without obviously admitting it, that um, art, the arts has suffered in the last nine years. Um, if you're in a school like my school, which has kind of, you know, wide variety of art and photography and cooking and loads of, loads of good stuff. Like we've lost a lot of uh, like extracurricular activities, but in terms of our like offer that we offer to the kids, like their curriculum day to day is actually still pretty good. I think that's just because we're quite a big school though, to be honest, we've managed to like fight and keep that stuff. Um, a lot of schools have completely lost um, that kind of thing, you know, and um, under the toys, it's kind of, it's going the way of America where they don't teach art in um, state schools. So you have volunteers who come in and, and do it and do it like that. So them saying, again, we're going to invest in arts, music and sport. What is that even going to be? Like, even if they chuck some money at a school, like you need the reason why that's those stuff, has, that stuff has gone is because of league tables and Ofsted and this kind of overemphasis on maths and literacy to the detriment of everything else. So I don't even know what that would be. To me, when I translate it, it sounds like a tiny bit of money and a whole lot of expectations on the teacher. Yeah. So they'll just be even more 
rigorous and even yeah more high maintenance on their expectations of say how much uh pe we do so pe budgets and cost so much that um a lot of schools in primary mm. uh be my uh expertise what i know about in primary schools a lot of schools used to have a pe uh, teacher who would take the class and mean that the uh, class teacher might have a bit of extra time to do planning or marking or whatever uh now that's gone so the teachers have to do it themselves. They also have to plan the PE themselves. So I just see, especially in primary schools, but perhaps in, in secondary as well, the class teacher having a, a more rigorous, you know, I don't know, assessment form for how you are teaching this PE, and uh, special things that we're supposed to do and, yeah, have Maybe to we'll prove have to that like- we're doing, especially the, the proving is the other part of it. And, uh, yeah, very little support in which to achieve that. I mean, unfortunately, Charlie, what you're describing as part of this Conservative Manifesto is already the vision of Ofsted. Um, I'm seeing increasing reports online and just from the chat from our management, the, the climate out there is that Ofsted are going to be grilling the classroom teacher, that we're now expected to have a mastery of the school policy. This is, you know, if, if we want a, one indication of how much is now being placed on teachers, I am being forced to almost mouth the, the corporate policy of my employer as the rationale for what I'm doing in my classroom. And, and so the direction of travel is obvious, it's dispiriting, and that's clearly what the Conservatives see as fit for both teachers and students in this country for the next five years. Absolutely. All right. Um, Luckily, though, they're not going to get a chance to uh, enact any of these <laughs> nah, mate, policies. It's all going up in smoke. Even if their font is quite nice on the manifest it's, it's calming and pleasing that's another thing we haven't we should talk at the end about how we've all been feeling about the the election sort of lead up so far but we'll say that for the end is there anything anyone else wants to mention about the tory manifesto for education um, just that when they're like yeah we're going to fix education we're going to sort this country out it's like just remember you have been in charge for nine years now. Mm. Like when everybody says that to me, like I'm just like, yeah, fix it. Well, what's what happened in the last decade then? Like, if a decade's not enough, then just think for a second why it's broken. It's really simple. Yeah. Honestly, I if you think that voting for the Tories because you're going to suddenly get those promises, um, I think of this. If someone has been getting away for something for 10 years individually uh, and then someone suddenly they get, I don't know, given that thumbs up to keep going and not be replaced, are they really going to change what they're doing or are they going to just keep going with what they were doing before? There's no incentive for the Tories to change their policies or do anything if we give them another green light. Fool me once, shame on me. Whatever you want to think about Labour... No, I never get that idiom right. So. Whatever you want to think about Labour, if, if the Labour Party wins, they know that they were voted in because we, we were all voting for change because change won out. And therefore, if they want another five years, and you, you know they do, obviously, who wouldn't? Uh, they're going to need to at least um, live up to some, and I, I would suspect practically all, of the pledges that they've put in place. I think, you know, obviously politics happens. Some things might slow down or, or, you know, fall to the wayside, but I think the vast majority of the pledges will come through. And and to me, that's, that's, that's you know, when people talk about who's telling the truth and who's telling lies and who can be trusted, that, that wins out for me. Hint, not Boris Johnson. Probably not the people that 
went to private schools and have never wanted for anything in their lives, um, I would say. I mean, there's a funny thing. You see, on page 16 of the Conservative Manifesto, um, it's about police. And there's a picture of um, Boris Johnson with some policemen, but it looks like he's being arrested. Um, so hopefully that... Now look here, my cousin's a QC. About fucking time. Uh, yeah, so maybe jobs. hopefully that is, a, that is a vision of things to, uh, of things to come. Um, yeah, we're send, send him down for the Arcuri donations, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Malfeasance in a public office. Are we ready to crack open the Labour manifesto? Let's go for it. So, things to note, as far as I can tell, uh, it is the first one to be costed fully. There's, so, there's another grey book that goes with the Labour manifesto uh, that shows how it's costed. We mentioned that. Uh, we, Funding real change. Funding the real change. Uh, as we've been told, um, did the Conservatives, when we saw that PDF came out like half an hour ago, did we see that there was a costings as well? There's a costings some? one on it. Okay, so there well. is there is some costings. We have, we we <coughs> do admit, we as, you know, people who've just re- received the Tory manifesto, we haven't had time to look at the costings. What's funny is, though, that they're raising money by doing things that they've always said won't raise money, like uh, raising, not corporation tax. Was it corporation tax they said they'd raise? Maintain. So they abandoned a previously intended cut. Right, okay, yeah. So it's like, and they'll always say, oh, if you tax them, they'll leave the country. And it's like, no, if you do that, we can get more money and we can do more stuff. And then now they're actually having to do that, which is, um, you know, it shows they're weak in ideologically. Like they don't have any ideas. Yeah, to, to go into that a little bit um, more. So the corporation tax um, is for any business that... Um, well, actually, I don't know at the moment, so I will say what the, t- what the Labour policy is. So any uh, business that their profits go in excess of £300,000 will have to pay corporation tax of 26%. So 26% uh, in terms of other industrial uh, countries is about average. It's definitely less than Germany at 30%. And similar to Spain, as remember, you know, it's got it's got many equals sort of countries that you'd expect for us and um, our similar uh, countries to go into business with and um and trade with so it's not extortionate it's not exciting it's not even radical i mean you know much as i love radical policy you know the 26 percent isn't that radical and that in its own uh, right will as far as i understand account for about 29 percent of the overall labor budget so the other thing to add to that is that at the moment we don't even get what we're supposed to get when it comes to corporation tax because so many um, businesses are able to avoid the paying the tax because of the loopholes that are in place and because we have 30 people nationally employed by HMRC to uh, to investigate any allegations or Only any... 30. 30 people in the right. whole nation. Versus... To- <laughs> the billionaires and yeah. the professional spivs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. So it might not surprise you that a lot of the current um, quite blatant fraud um, goes completely unaddressed because those 30 people who work very hard, uh, we even know one of them, uh, they still don't have the time of the day to get everyone, as it were. But they're still out canvassing for Labour. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. That is just a little extra on the corporation tax. 
tax aspect. And of course, you can find out other um, ways that the uh, Labour government plan, or future Labour government, I should say, plan to um, to find all that money. And the um, money we're talking about, yeah, we'll go into education. And incidentally, because of question time, man, you know, you know, the guy that earns over eighty grand that's clearly like not doing that well for himself. Was he? Would you say <laughs> he was in? He was definitely not in the top top five percent of earners. Anyway, Idiot. so that that deluded Wrong. melt. No, he's, um, no, he said that he uh, eighty grand a year didn't think that he was in the top fifty. Fucking hell! Right, okay. A so, man consumed by jealousy. Like, so that delusional um, imbecile. Uh, who thinks that 80 grand a year doesn't even put him in the top half of earners in this country like poor bloke I know I mean I, I, cup, I feel for him cup of soup and <laughs> chips every night yeah it, mate? bless him it must be so difficult um, but yeah just incidentally so this I, I'm looking at this lovely pie chart which is a breakdown of where the money's going to come from to fund the pledges in the Labour Manifesto and the income tax rise on the top 5% of earners so those earning over 80,000 um, is 6%. So it's £5.4 billion and it counts for only 6%. So this idea that, you know, basically we're going to completely decimate although you know all those top 5% and they're just going to be so much worse off and it affects so many of us in this country and all the rest of it, A, 5% and B, not a lot. And see why, well, why are these people allowed to talk on tv yeah <laughs> so you know because that's something i think that people you know that is a lot of the motivation isn't it why where people are going to vote are going to not vote labor because i don't want to get taxed guess what most of us won't well um More. and I, i'll admit that i don't remember the name of the website but if um leader won't mind we'll put it in the description and the notes um because i'll find it in a little bit uh there is a website i saw uh today online that uh, you can put in your income, put in a few details about yourself, and label somebody related to Labour or Labour themselves. I'm not sure. Is Labour the same you, one as it was last time? It's just updated with numbers. Oh, wicked! Yeah. yeah. So it basically, you input your info, and the output comes. Uh, what percentage of tax you may pay, be an increase or or not, no change at all. So that might alleviate people's concerns and also you could probably fiddle about with it so you think get some facts for yourself say if you're wondering about how much tax you'd pay more if you were on 80 85 etc and just sort of see how that increments work i think one thing that off the top of my head i think if you earn a hundred thousand uh pounds a year uh you will have your tax increased overall by a thousand pounds a year, so one insert tiny violin noise. Yeah. Just, just yeah. for a little, little full communism. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's most of our preamble. Unless anyone else has anything else before we I'm get bored, into the I don't want. To, I'm bored of talking about money. I want to talk about like ideas and how things are going to be better, and actually talk about the vision because this is what you. This is what we need. Like a lot of us have been going out canvassing. You need to bring the manifesto to life. But it's not just canvassing that you do that. Although that's really important. You need to be talking to. Um, friends and family and people at work to be honest like you don't mm. want to be the guy that's bringing it up every single time but there are certain points where you can just slip little things in and those 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 interactions I think are are almost as important as you know f talking to a complete stranger on their doorstep um, because you have a relationship with this person and you can um, you know they, they they can trust you um, and this thing is worth it and I think we need to go into it and not and try and cut through the kind of malaise and boredom and I don't want to talk about it and saying look in schools, 
it could be different if you were excited about it. And if you were excited about it, you could turn someone else into being excited about it. So should we, I don't know, what's your, what's your best labour th- from the, in terms of education, what would be your, your, the thing you're most excited about? Um, I think, well, more money, first of all, actually funding schools. Sorry, I know you said it, but, you know, um, schools that are properly funded, um, which will allow teachers to reduce workload or have more teachers, more support staff. And just just with that little, that yeah, injection of staff and resources will make everybody's working and learning conditions better. Um, and I like the fact that, you know, we're going to end academization and certainly um, bring, a, like, stop funding new academies and actually make academies accountable, uh, more accountable, certainly financially. And um, and the National Education Service, this idea of lifelong learning, which is amazing, and not just when you're 25 and when you're 50, um, but, you know, when you need it, um, I think will be really amazing. They've... Also, yeah, they've also polished, sorry, um, actually going to end key stage one and two sats, which is great. And they've not said they're going to put a lighter touch test in place of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the labour version of the skills wallet, well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> the reason why the skills wallet is so unbelievably stupid um, is because uh, the labour promise is so much better. Um, so it's saying in terms of lifelong learning, um, it's like uh, you get training up to level three. What is that? A-levels? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the level four is... Undergrad, I'm sure. Undergrad? Yeah. yeah. And the level five... It's like higher national diploma and like... And then six, is a, master, six yeah. is a master's. Okay, so you get, yeah, you're training up to level three. That'll be free. And then... Um, yeah, five is a degree, six is a master's. About. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you'd get um, six years of training um, from levels four to six. So I guess you could do uh, an undergraduate degree and then later in your life you've got like three more years of of uh paid for education so i mean that could be could that be another degree well it could be uh different different things it could be another degree my understanding is as well uh this is obviously wasn't labor officially but this was something that um i heard through the well transformed uh democracy kind of review uh, there were some people speaking about adult education, what it used to be, and people older than us remember a day um, where you could get adult education, which could be night classes, it could be all sorts of things. You know, it's something other countries still have and have never lost, uh, where you could just literally, um, outside of um, your work, uh, outside of your, um, you know, full-time parenting perhaps, uh, go and develop slowly but surely. So it wouldn't be over, you know... Mm maybe one year might be over as long as you needed uh develop skills uh that could be vocational they could be more academic but they could be related to a you know whatever you were planning in the future that would help you uh for the skills and knowledge you would need and the and the qualifications to get improve your career and this is vital for sort of vulnerable groups isn't it or disadvantaged um people in general so i mean like if you were if you're a mum a single mum with some kids and you've been made redundant because robots have taken your job or because i don't know whatever they just it's just not paying enough anyway you need to get out um you can't just go to university you can't just go to college you have to be able to like break up um things into like modular amounts and you have to be able to pick it up and leave it leave it as you go on um i don't know what what would you do if you could uh learn a learn a i would love a night class class. i don't even know how how where i would end with it i probably could easily 
push out the first like three years or three years worth I'd love to do things related to education that would be important to my job I'd love to do things like to get to the point in my life where I could do things that would completely just relate to my passions I used to once upon a time uh think that I was going to become a mathematician and love maths so much I gave up on that after terrible experiences at university but I'd love to pick that back up and not have that kind of weighted judgment of the need for you have to be at university level, you have to be academic, just find it where you want it. You know, imagine what we could do with languages. Like the UK lags behind yeah. in other countries because we're too arrogant to, you know, admit the fact that if most of our uh, population had a second language fully in the bag, uh, we would actually do much better. Imagine if we all had the time in, you know, maybe in primary secondary school but while you learn better then you probably have more passion for it when you suddenly realize how useful it is later in life yeah it's harder but couldn't we do such great things with it Mm. and for everyone actually have uh the opportunity to do that without having it massively cost them or or massively impact their you know their ability to work sorry go on no i say you asked what we would do and languages is definitely one of those things for me it's always been like when I think about the biggest regrets of my life educationally number one is not being fluent in another language and number two is I'd want to go back and learn an instrument like I I really would it's something that and I know I could do it now and it's just you know life gets in the way but I mean to actually study it to actually go back and and do the theory and and do it all over again you know and have the time dedicated that'd be amazing um but I'd probably do something like geology or my. But we, we end up teaching ourselves that, like That'd you know if you want if you want to get pick up a new hobby you kind of just look at YouTube don't you you try and learn things through YouTube and that is good and it is good that we can teach the things things like that. but you know I'd be a much better uh, spoon whittler if I had been uh, and actually had someone teach me how to sharpen my tools properly because I don't really think I'm doing that properly and also just builds communities as well um, you know we were all really really lonely. <laughs> um, we're all really really lonely i mean people in society are lonely and yeah get them out of the house get them learning something and just actually enjoy being alive not just dealing with the toil and drudgery of existence yeah yeah i was gonna say uh, like on top of that definitely yeah the building the communities is so important and i think of uh the last two and a half years i basically sort of arrived in bristol and found my political people where i never had political people before uh as soon as I got here and I've never looked back I love it um but not everyone wants to be a massive politics fan not everyone wants to find their people in politics but everyone should be able to find their people these are people external to your family your workplace and the things you do um generally and that could be people who are passionate about the same things in any kind of educational way to you and like it's incredible being able to talk to people who have any kind of same interest to you and really like want to keep learning like Mm. the way your conversation could be about what you learned before what you're learning currently and what you want to learn in the future and so i think that we will literally be able to re um create communities we lost before um through further education i think that yeah power to it more and more please and just and just how much easier would it be to persuade kids that education is valuable if they know people in their lives who are pursuing education as adults, but they, they don't see their parents like, you know, if you're in a house where your parents are learning stuff and reading and have new interests, like you're really, really lucky. If there's books around the place and you see people doing that. A lot of kids, like if their parents are just working the whole time, they don't, they don't see the point. They don't see the point in education. But if, you know, if we're genuinely become a nation of lifelong learners, like as adults, that's going to feed into the kids. They'll see the point 
of it. They'll, they'll get it. They'll want to do it. They'll want to imitate the parents and things like and that. And this idea of, you know, we talk about cultural capital and, and what that means for certainly impoverished students. Well, guess what? If you get, if you create a system where anybody can go back and start learning, what that feeds into, yeah, as you say, educationally for that child. Um, and it's going to give that child the cultural capital that maybe they wouldn't have had access to because their parents now have access to it. Free university. Yeah. Come on, guys. You know, I, 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 I want to be able to turn yeah. to children and say, you can go the distance, you can take this all the way and it will not put you in debt. It's that you've got no material reasons to refuse this and you've got every incentive to just go for it and, and, and take a chance and do something that, that maybe your family never predicted you'd be into and maybe like the stuff of dreamers. Wouldn't it be great to just offer our, our students and our young people that? Because it's, it's rubbish being a teenager. And I t- tell this to the kids, I say, I hated being a teenager. Um, it's a really weird time in your life. Like you start finding people attractive um, just as your body like morphs into this disgusting, like greasy, um, like weird sounding, weird smelling kind of lump. Um, you have to deal with all the all this pressure of exam stress. Um, you start to become more independent, but you've got no money to do anything with it. And then your parents don't really understand how to um, deal with you either because they can't really let you go. It's like it's, it's terrible being a teenager. And I'd, I'd say this to the kids. Um, I hated it. Don't worry. It gets better. But for me, it got better when I went to university. And there are kids now who are like, eh, it's too expensive. It's like, what are you going to live in this tiny, pointless market town forever? What are you going to do? Oh, I'll just live at home, play Xbox. Really? No. Come on. It's not, that's, it's, yeah, it's, there's, there's better, but we just need to. We need to make it less easy for South Gloucestershire to claim them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, or, or, you know, live in South Gloss, fine. Like, it's, it's a beautiful part of the country, but no, but, no, but live there because, there's there's nice pubs and there's nice businesses and you own a business that is green energy or you know you become a farmer or you do some commerce, you know like not just there because you're stuck and then going to Cribs Causeway to work in um, you know some chain shop uh, yeah. that's connected to a car park but like yeah we should be like money is going to be going into local communities to actually make it worth living in these places yeah. and it's just it's giving people agency over their own lives because you know that this fake you know the, the people in society that are the most impoverished are, are the ones that have the least agency. And it's just giving that back to people. And you say, yeah, if you want to live here, because that's your choice, because you've gone out, you've done something, you've had access to a wider view of the world, and then you've lived here because that's your choice. Great. Brilliant, you know? But when it's, as you say, just you're stuck there, you've never seen anything else, you know, you've never really barely left your town, let alone left your country, let alone... Uh, yeah, I... It's agency. Yeah. And, and I want to be clear, it, it was that attitude that I was uh, railing against, not the actual county. <laughs> we know, we know. Yeah, a lot of angry South Gloss people phoning in. Some, uh, I know some nice people in South Gloss, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So my uh, favourite is going to be a, a two-parter because there's two favourites that I have and I'm a bit keen and intrigued and maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Uh, but they were right next to each other in the Labour Manifesto and I think that they are linked and I think I've mentioned how I think they're linked before. So the two uh, that I like are replacing Ofsted with a new body, and I quote, designed to drive school improvement. So this means that the aim of the replacement is not to do what the Lib Dems are trying to do, replace it with something where they inspect slightly differently or still on the same terms whatever but it is designed to make sure that the process of inspection makes it better 
So to link that before I continue with the second one that I love as a supply teacher, of course, um, is that they're going to have a teacher supply service to tackle wasted money going to private agencies. I've, I think I've probably touched on this once or twice. It is a scandal, this thing. It It doesn't get talked about enough. Private school, sorry, not private schools. Private agencies is a scam. Basically what it means is that for every person, or mostly every teacher, but they do have uh, agency uh, support staff, for every person that is um, required in a school because somebody's off sick, uh, on a day-to-day basis, outside of London, you would usually have um, the support, sorry, the supply teacher being paid about £100 to where the agency gets paid 200 So it's basically £100 going into the supply teacher's um, pocket and the exact same amount going to the company. And, you know, they have agency workers, but I'm pretty sure they're probably on a pretty standard wage, probably not necessarily, maybe if they're lucky, living wage. But I think in some cases not because, quite frankly, they don't seem very happy. So I'd be surprised. I mean, I was in LSA uh, in a primary school for a year and um, that company took more money than I did from that job. I could barely afford to to get there and back. Definitely. Um, And that school could have had another LSA, couldn't they, for that money? It just doesn't make sense. They don't add any value to that process. It literally sends every day thousands and thousands of pounds into the private system private sector um where it could be going on uh yeah something to do in some way paying a teacher's a support staff a you know funding for a child it could go to anything this is money for local authority schools this is money that uh, we get from the government uh because of our terrible working system going instantly to private schools for multi-academy trusts it's again just a waste because they also are quite happy to spend you know thousands thousands of pounds on their senior leadership and general ceo team and so more of that just going on um, supply staff and it's it's ridiculous so i wholeheartedly support the idea of there being a supply service essentially uh, what i hope for is something that is like the days of your of local authority um agencies but way 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 better i hope like yeah that they could learn the lessons of the past and make it make it even uh, more functional but when i when i talk about the two of them combined i would love for a system where if a school keeps requesting supply staff because of um long-term teacher and support staff absences the um Government, like the well, inspection bodies or wh- whoever we've got in place are able to say in a non-judgmental way something might be going wrong all sorts of things can go wrong in schools all sorts of times it could be that the nature of um things means that suddenly a school has a massive influx in uh ch- children from really deprived backgrounds and that could mean that yeah, they're not necessarily ready for it yet and suddenly it happens and suddenly it causes a lot of problems. You know, that, that's not the end of the world. We should just be able to provide and change and adapt to those to those um, new needs. And as a result, um, uh, inspection body could literally send in not just the supply teachers um, that are uh, just to 
straight replace the ones, the people that have gone off sick, but also potentially supply them with extra support staff, maybe even an extra SLT who can go, what's wrong? How are you doing? I think a Mary Poppins, type, Mary Poppins type character floating in and actually being helpful rather than punitive would yeah. massively change things. Yeah, and, and that would literally do as required. And again, I, I know I'm jumping the gun here to say that they could be linked, but um, to make the body designed to drive school improvement, like I love, I think that I've developed the skills in many ways to be that sort of person, to see the person who knows that I'm going to schools every single time that it's going to be hard, but at, like because because the school is struggling in some way, but at least I know that they know that's why I'm here and they know that's how I could help and they would therefore be acknowledged where many schools don't that my workload is going to be enormous. So I might do it for a shorter term with higher pay, maybe need to take some recovery time because it is it does drain the life out of you sometimes. But you, you do it passionately, but it drains the life out of you and you might need an extra week or two to recover from what you've done. Um, but I, I think it could be incredible. Yeah, and um, I think that if you know that person is coming into school to support you um, and it's not punitive, you're not just being judged and held accountable and you're going to lose your progression, your pay and you're going to be put on a support plan and all the rest of it. Um, if you know they're coming in to help, you're going to be honest, you're going to be open and therefore the genuine problems are going to come through and we're going to find genuine solutions then. Absolutely. Uh, is there any other um, favourites from the Labour Manifesto people want to talk about? Uh, I think getting rid of Ofsted is really crucial and I think that will change a lot more than people realise. I think that I think it's under... It's because cause a lot of the issues with schools have come from this kind of just complete panic looking over your shoulder about Ofsted and stuff. And it would, if we weren't being... Um, you know, bashed over the head for everything we do by them or even the imagined feeling of being bashed over the head by them, um, I think schools would be in much, much better places because collectively as staff and student and parent community, we could decide on the priorities. You know, we, we wouldn't have to do... We wouldn't have to cut this thing and do more maths. Um, we wouldn't have to, like, abandon uh, activities week or trips and things like that because, um, oh, well, we just won't get through the course. Otherwise, you know, we can kind of... we we you know, we can we can prioritise what we need. Um, you know, SEN kids will get a much better deal if we get rid of Ofsted because at the moment they're kind of, they're held to really weird standards. And I teach kids with like profound um, barriers to learning, but I'm trying to teach them a new style GCSE. Um, they'll be lucky to get ones. And it's really, really heavy and really academic. So like I basically kind of throw that to the wind and just go, right, I'm just going to teach them stuff they need to know about their life. I boil it right down to the kind of things that they can get. But you know, if we didn't have offset and lead tables and all that kind of stuff, we would be able to make the right choices for what we actually um, what we actually need to do, um, and give them a, give them the education they deserve, not the one that pleases some people who don't actually teach and who don't actually know the students that are yeah. in front of you. You know, we ultimately we you know the whole offset and the whole reducing reducing people down to data points is entirely the issue at the moment, and you you can't do that you're dealing with teenagers or actually not, you know, in secondary school, you're dealing with teenagers, but we are dealing with people from, you know, early years. So almost birth all the way through until they're 18. Well, well, it is you know. birth because, uh, yeah. because Ofsted also, you get sometimes forgotten and sometimes uh, not necessarily acknowledged by teachers, but Ofsted also judge uh, nurseries who uh, take children um, who have any of that, uh, 
funding by the government uh, for, you know, the 30 hours. So my understanding is that 30 hours is for if uh, both parents are in work, it's 30 hours. If one of the parents is in work, well, how they define in work, I don't know how many hours that's uh, required or what the pay is. Um, but if one of the parents is in work, then it will be 15 hours per week. Uh, if that uh, nursery uh, gets a bad offset review, if they don't have a better offset, uh, like in six months, then they will no longer receive the funding. So what really? that means, yeah. Yeah, so the funding will stop the moment when they say, no, no, no more funding for you. And that'll be it. I think they get, I was at a, a nursery literally working a supply uh, that, that received, all the parents received this letter that you, you're no longer going to receive funding if, as long as you send your child to this nursery because this nursery is uh, requiring improvement. <laughs> so the nursery had actually had a new, um, much better Ofsted, but Ofsted had actually been really slow in delivering the letter to tell the local authority that it was an all, all good, you know, keep, keep funding them. They didn't bother to send that letter for a while and then this create this lurch. Uh, a lot of the parents freaked out and then they stopped sending... They had to move their children because it wasn't worth the risk. It was they had one week to find a new nursery for their kids. And what that can mean is then uh, you have a massive drain on the amount of uh, children you know, going to this nursery and therefore lack of funding overall and therefore nursery ultimately having to close down. So Ofsted and their power and their complete incompetence affects pe uh, children and parents and you know, general families um, from, from a very, very early age. And yeah, it, it's decimating for many families and many, many yeah. workplaces. Did, did any of them go, right, in this situation, what is best for the students in front of us? No. <laughs> the data says this. And I like data. I'm a scientist. But, you know, data has to be deployed to the benefit, not the detriment of, of you know, our children. Absolutely. Um, another aspect I think that's worth talking about of the Labour Manifesto, bearing in mind we have, I, I've looked literally, as I've told you, we've got three pages of notes. I'm trying to condense that very uh, much into, you know, just the highlights for me that I think people will find valuable. Uh, listeners will know that we've talked about the Abolish Eaton uh, campaign. And that obviously, I, I was not expecting it to feature, even though I know it, was, it went through a conference. I, I think some of the people who founded the um, campaign weren't expecting it to appear in full in the Labour Manifesto and there's lots of reasons why that might be but what is there is three aspects so closing tax loopholes that currently apply to private schools so this means Kitching. yep mm -hmm. this means a lot more money uh, to be spent on more valuable things than just tax breaks for what's well, going to go on the free rich. school meals isn't it Pun? isn't that what they've said didn't they say that last time by closing the tax loopholes, that money is earmarked to then spend on the free school meals for all primary school children. Well, I didn't see that. that I was think a that direct was correlation. that was last time. That's what they. That's the kind of how they pushed the moral art side of the argument. I don't know if it's the same this time, but that, that in sounds theory, good. That would cover it. Yeah. But broadly, you know, whatever the direction of the the money, then I still think that's a value. Uh, so charging VAT on private school fees. Kitching. Yep. And uh, so the last one, kind of probably, is is the. Um, starting point for more formally abolishing Eton, abolishing private schools, is st um, tasking Social Justice Commission with the 
advising on integration of private schools and the creation of a comprehensive education system. So basically looking into it. And I wouldn't be surprised from uh, my understanding of what Abolish Youthman said their starting point would be is about the idea of doing like a uh, general look into the assets and general costing, um, doing, yeah, look into what um, they have in terms of their money, generally private schools and what's available, what's being used. I think I think if you haven't, if you didn't go to a private school, you don't know about it, you don't know anyone that did, and there's going to be a lot of people who are like that, you, would, you wouldn't really be able to understand the facilities that they have. Um, some of them have their own theatre, I don't even just mean a room. I mean a building may or may not be on the school grounds, but a theatre literally with chairs and things like that is an asset that should be community owned. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I feel bad that I haven't got the exact um, data on this, but I'm sure that overall like, private schools in London have more theatres than the West End has theatres. I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm I mean, sure it's something like that. Well, like, you've got so the if anyone knows the real stats and, yeah. and thinks that I'm I'm wrong on that, I'm I'm sure I read something that pretty much mm. equated to that. Because, um, yeah, obviously they built them over the years. They've yeah. had a long time to do it, and they've got a lot more space and a lot more money to do it in. You know, and you just need to remember, and this is how you argue it. You know, to your to your family and in the staff room is because of these tax breaks have happened for decades and decades and decades like close to 100 years or whatever although the taxes aren't that old but you, you get the idea um these assets are ours <laughs> they have been in effect state subsidized to yeah. get to this point of lavishness yeah so i mean there's swimming pools there's climbing walls there's like huge sports centers um there's stables for some of them you know like um huge nature reserves um, sports pitches, sports uh, bits of bits of river, boathouses, like all these uh, shoot guns, shooting ranges, like tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. Uh, boats, sailing boats, uh, like ready to be to be used um, for the for the whole community. Um, yeah, and what to say with this um, increase in funding that we um, will receive. Also, the fact that um, they're going to the labour have promised to increase the amount of PPA time as well for teachers, which I think will transform lives, workloads definitely. If you know, if you if I had, I think currently it's ten percent. If Just, I had twenty percent, yeah, you know, if I double what I had, that's not that much extra time really, and yet the difference that would make to my working life would be immense and what that means you know I will be at my best in the classroom I'll have time to really be reflective I'll really have the time to dedicate to making those lessons as interesting as possible to keep up to date with current so you know in my subjects current scientific research current like what's going on in the wider world and just mean that I'm not then feeling constantly guilty on a weekend because I've got so much to do and actually I just want a day off um, and you're feeling bad because you're having a day off what that does to people psychologically is not even okay. So just that, that in itself, with along with you know, resourcing, is just going to make such a difference. Just to add, just in case any of our listeners, maybe this is your first episode of the podcast, maybe you're completely uh, new to the, the terminology of teaching. Join um, us. <laughs> I know. Um, PPA means the planning time, just 
what I think one of the P's is planning, but just just in case someone's like, what's that extra planning, PPA? preparation, and assessment. And the bad. preposterous idea about that is that you're supposed to do all of your uh, marking and planning and like data entry in those kind of like two or three periods a week that you get for that, and it's just uh, ridiculous. I spend most of my PPAs at school trying to avoid doing the work that I have to do because it's so mind-numbingly uh, boring. Um, or because I'm so stressed out from the lesson I've had before, or I'm exhausted because I'm not looking after myself properly. So it's like, or trying to catch up with a colleague, uh, maybe trying to have a sort of human conversation with an adult. Sometimes I, I waste and fritter away my PPAs. If I actually had proper time um, to do it, I'd actually be a good teacher. And I might even actually get around to marking something at some point. Uh, but at the moment, it's just, it's just, it's impossible. It's just a struggle. It's impossible. It's an impossible job. Yeah, absolutely. And more and more um, teachers in both primary and secondary are being uh, just randomly pulled out of their planning time uh, without much notice to cover other classes, to do extra jobs around the school. And more and more, those uh, the, the senior leadership are refusing to give the time back to find other time for them to be uh, to plan uh, because of the cuts. Um because they think they can get away with it because fr quite frankly a lot of uh the general general staff general population in the workforce is letting them get away with it and so they're pushing it and they're pushing it and they're pushing it and this is where it's got to and now uh finally to some degree uh especially workers within the neu are trying to say no we're not okay with it but they've got a real uphill battle because of how much we've let slide yeah, I mean, things can be really different. And this is the problem. You you sit there and you hear and you, you talk to your staff and they're demoralised and they're tired. And they've been told for years and years and years, oh, it just has to be like this, doesn't it? Everything just has to get gradually worse. And then you die. That's what life is now. It's like, mm, it didn't always have to be like that. Like, um, you know, under the Conservatives, things have been stripped and stripped away. Now we've got climate emergency. That is kind of what is going around in people's heads at the moment. Um, but it could very easily be very different. Like, it wouldn't take... Like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much money. Like, really, it's not, there's not that many things that would have to change to have um, a huge impact. Um, and it's just trying to have those conversations with, with staff. And, and it, you know, and they'll say, oh, you know, I just don't believe that they'll, that they'll follow through on it. And it's like, well, you have to give it a go, don't you? I mean, it's not going to be worse than what we have now. So we just have to push for it. Um, and also, why wouldn't a government want to deliver on those things if it's been put there by ordinary people, by ordinary people who donate to it, um, by ordinary trade unionists and, and teachers and things like that? Like, the Tories don't have to fulfil their pledges because that's not who they work for. They don't work for us. And you just we have to just keep making that kind of class war type argument and not be afraid of doing it to people. Um and what is good is that the Labour kind of the air war that's been fighting in the news, they have been talking about billionaires. They have been saying, like, your lives are shit because these people have taken stuff away from you. And that actually gives a bit more credence to start talking about not necessarily like eyeing up lampposts and learning a load of new knots um, to tie up for these people. But like saying, look, there is a reason systemically why these things are bad and it has to change. And we deserve it to be changed because we work really hard. Um, no, and uh, I, I, I think we have a task at hand, which is about fighting pessimism, fighting defeatism, 
people have allowed their sort of horizons of the possible in their imagination to become f- frankly foreclosed and, and, and rather too restricted. Um, the Labour manifesto as it stands is actually quite a, a sort of reasonable social democratic programme when you compare the amount of investment versus the annual GDP of the United Kingdom. It's, if anything, probably on the cautious side. Um, the, mm. the manifesto, when you look at the costings, they're actually scaled down. So they're like, well, if we increase taxes like this, we expect there to be certain behavioural changes. We expect to see changes in demand. People will try and evade these thresholds. Obviously, I it comes part and parcel with a rather uh, better look at tax evasion broadly. But, um, you know, this there is... The, the ideas are radical, but actually the scale of what's being proposed now is 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 not it's not not pie in the sky nonsense. It's actually just what you would have expected in both parties' manifestos from 1945 to about 1969. <laughs> Let's keep it in perspective, people. And I think we need to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely agree. Um, another one that I was looking at, I know um, that. As secondary teachers, you might have a word on this. Um, So one of the Labour pledges is extending free school meals to all primary school children. So currently uh, it's means tested, uh, which largely links, as we talked about, being pupil premium. So uh, it's about being born benefits, um, etc. And uh, as far as it goes, as it stands, that still ends at the uh, key stage one. So only children who means tested for it under the age of seven get free school meals. This is new and it's come as a shock to some children I've seen who uh, don't realise that they no longer are entitled to mm. school meals. So they end up in year two or three. No, it's, it's year three, isn't it, for a key stage two. Going up to the lunch ladies and saying, yes, I'm on a lunch. Um and then suddenly their parents who cannot afford it at all being charged. Uh, it's terrible, yeah, because it, it leaves parents um, in massively in debt sometimes. And so, of course, it's really good for free school meals to be available to all primary school children. However, I think we've all noticed it's a bit weird that that's a real excellent innovation. So to be slightly critical of the Labour Party, I think, um, yeah, what do you guys think? Why not secondary? Uh, I think the big, there's a big issue with secondary schools catering is that a lot of it's been outsourced. So I think that is a bigger problem. Like they're more expensive than they used to be. Uh, some again, if you haven't been in a school um, recently since you were there, you might think, oh, Jamie Oliver came along and now kids eat asparagus. Well, no, they don't. They eat a chunk of carbohydrate, uh, cheap cheese. carbohydrate that's either yeah flavored with salt or cheese or with sugar. Um, that, that's what they eat and they eat while they're walking around in my school like most kids don't use plates or real cutlery it's all plastic cutlery um, wax cartons yep. uh, and they walk around eating it like um, 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 and they got like slushies as well like what is yeah, it fucking, we've got slushies. fucking circus Pizza. it's mental rolls. and the kids like they're kind of fu- well the kids aren't they don't love it they don't love it I found you'd think kids would love it but they, they recognise that the food is shit um, and expensive and overpriced and doesn't really nourish them and they're always a bit hungry and stuff like that. I think that is where I would attack. That's what I would attack um, with Labour rather than kind of... Obviously, you should be working towards universal basic service because it just does make more sense energy-wise if everyone's cooking, you know, rather than people making these individual things and stuff like that. But, like, um, I think there's other other issues there. They have said in the manifesto they're going to prioritise helping set up breakfast clubs. And I think that would make a big difference to um, a lot of teenagers in secondary schools, ones who don't have the... um, don't have the money 
um, having like one free meal in the morning. Well, they, they, they would have the other meals free as well, wouldn't they? I suppose um, if they were PP. But like anyone who kind of needed it could go in and get get breakfast. But yeah. yeah. Well, I I know of a student currently at a school um, who basically said it came to light. You know, they're really tired all the time. Um, they're currently in year eleven. That they only get to eat at night, and his family basically have one small meal at night because they can't really afford food. And yeah. And because I think it took a bit of time for the claim to come through for the free school meals. So basically for the first sort of few weeks of term, this student was literally going 12 hours a day or 24 hours almost a day without until their next meal. Um, and that got discovered and obviously sorted out. But yeah, that is a reality. And it is a reality that people are facing, like food poverty and is, is a thing. So yeah, I welcome that. But I do think, yeah, actually... It shouldn't just be focused, shouldn't just be on primary schools, it should also be on secondary schools. Abs- Absolutely. Uh, any more um, Labour Manifesto highlights? I mean, I guess it's worth talking about the effort, you know, slight, stepping out of education slightly is, um, you know, the reforms to tackle poverty. You know, like the big issues in education, it's not necessarily within schools. Like kids are turning up hungry. Um, they don't spend very much time with their parents because the parents are always busy working. Um, like I always mention this whenever we talk about like Anne Frank, um, you know, that you talk about like what are the bad things about living in the annex and hiding from the Nazis? What are the good things? Well, the good things are they get to spend time together as a family. And I always say like, how many of you think that your parents work too hard? And it's like a whole room of hands going up because either they're like on good incomes and they're still slaving away every hour that God sends, um, or they're on um, low incomes and they're working two jobs and not doing it. And like, you know, kids are just growing up and they just don't have that. They don't have people to read to them. They don't have people to talk to them about their problems at home because they're just so busy and, and stressed out all the time. So I think education will benefit from what Labour is doing to tackle um, child poverty and in-work poverty. I think that, that's mm. a huge thing that needs to be said, again, in the staff rooms and in you know in your work rooms and things like that. And cancellation of universal credit in the ending of the hostile benefits regime. Yeah. The, the removal of the government from its self-appointed role of inflicting misery <laughs> on poor people <laughs> will go a long way to making life in the classroom more pleasant. Absolutely. Just the general feeling of hope. I really feel that... Uh, should we win? Uh, I really hope that, you know, it'll be pretty obvious very quickly how much uh, change is going to be implemented, how much of it is possible, and it will really shift the atmosphere in, in homes. I don't know if I'm being really ridiculously optimistic, but it'll definitely make me have a spring on my step, and I know <laughs> a lot of um, hard-working families um, who support Labour, whether they be members or just supporters, who, who probably feel the same. Yeah, I just think it was nice. I said earlier that I'm actually reading a manifesto that feels long term and actually looking at the problems that humanity, or you know, this country are facing in the future. Automation, you know, that they mentioned with the rise of automation and therefore the need to retrain and reskill people. You know, it's kind of thinking about future proofing really, and that is just so nice it's just nice to hear someone actually talking not just oh i'm going to do this one thing that's going to look really really good right now to get into office like scrapping tuition fees um and then you know and that's it but it's actually no this is what the future is going to look like we can't we can't 
like deny that that's going to happen like we can't bury our heads in the sand and pretend that automation is a thing pretend that our climate is like decaying pretend that the jobs market is a completely different place to Aging. how it was 30 years ago yeah energy like all of it oh, sorry, a, a demographic oh, uh, aging oh, aging well. sorry yeah. yeah and the fact that we're actually thinking about that and how can we future proof for the benefit of all is just a really lovely optimistic hopeful thing well i was gonna you know because I, I really liked what charlie was talking about in terms of a new atmosphere a new sense of hope that kind of starts to seep through everything um i mean i, I do think it's worth us talking right now about what people can do to give themselves a bit of that hope right here right now um i think i speak for you know everyone in the room that we've been doing what we can and sometimes it's very difficult to juggle it versus your your job you know your loved ones uh, your own sanity but right now it is actually really like helping me out to be part of large groups of people that are going out believing in this better world putting the message out there engage at the level that you're comfortable with because you know sometimes i feel like i can put a leaf through a letterbox sometimes i feel like i can have a conversation with a stranger then you know speaking as teachers you don't need to go out for a political party you know you could get involved in your local union and just go out and hang out you know hang out outside a supermarket and try and chat to people about being a teacher don't even tell me to vote for it just tell them what it's like in the classroom and offer them a better way of you know especially if you catch people out with their kids you'd be like look do, do you want to go to university do you want to do you want to see your son or thrive in the society then just have a think about it absolutely i'd say that if people were to contact uh us on twitter or even like as a comment or a message via um soundcloud or something like that um with you know requests what can i do how can i do it uh whether you live near to us or far afield i think probably i would stretch our ability to direct you to the edges of the uk i know we've got listeners internationally but so if you live <laughs> on the other side of the world probably korea. all i'm gonna Who say <laughs> we want to hear from you yeah <laughs> lots of teachers yeah. in korea yeah. yeah uh probably all i'd be able to say is just uh tweet and be online i i couldn't direct you beyond that but everyone else um let us know or ask around yourself see what you can do because yeah helping out uh it's invaluable i think i i know that i i door knock and i do all the things for several reasons but the main ones are i want our labor government to change things and so i do it for labor but i also do it and i don't expect everyone to feel the same way but i do it because i owe it to the people i've worked so hard with be that in the neu be that in the labor party be that in just the general left uh i've been i've been surrounded by people who've helped me so much in my journey to understand why i'm so frustrated with the system and politically educate me to do all these things make me feel better about myself um and what we can do and how we can fix it i owe it to them i know i do i, I know it i owe them at least at the very least my body standing right next to theirs knocking on a door or you know having a good conversation afterwards to make us all just feel better about it because it's hard and it's really heartening as well because, you know, it's easy to get pessimistic, but then I look at the number of young people that are registered to vote. How many people that were under 18 in 2017 and, you know, were probably hopefully had their eyes open to politics for the first time and now old enough to vote? Um, Extinction Rebellion, I know, is one of the, the groups that, you know, have been well publicised. Greta Thunberg, um, you know, School Strike for Climate. And actually, young people's engagement... I think I, I can't remember in my lifetime having students of that age as engaged 
politically as they seem to be now, which gives mm. me great hope for the future. Um, and, and that's really good. And we celebrate that. And that needs to give us hope as well. Um, really good little projects are happening so there's a place in Bristol called I don't know if we're allowed to, am I allowed to say the place, name of the place doesn't matter does it I don't care Bristol Beer Factory so <laughs> what they've done is they've um, offered their premises um, to so homeless people in Bristol can use their address so they can register to vote at using their address um, and just all these little things that I'm hearing about that actually give me a lot of hope there's a lot of kind of grassroots on the ground people just doing little things but lots of people doing little things which really yeah I mean, really the, lovely the little things that the analogy that keeps coming back in my head when i'm sort of pounding pavement um is it's a slog but it's a very it's a very honest slog you know we're literally knocking on doors we've got a list of addresses we're knocking on doors we're saying hello how do you feel this is what i think and then we're writing it on a clipboard like it's it's so honest and sweet but what we're up against is the forces of uh, fascism in a way you know like the, the forces of capital the forces of the entrenched British establishment but we're doing this thing you know it's like two hobbits taking the ring to fucking Mordor isn't it it's like an Nerd. honest little slog oh I've got one more nerdy thing for you as well um, <laughs> this election it's been quite frantic and like trying to juggle a job and again stay sane um, and be part of like 10 different WhatsApp groups that are just going ping 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 ping, ping saying about all this all this flying and all this canvassing and stuff we need to get into it feels a little bit like the uh, battle uh, at Winterfell uh, in the last um, series of Game of Thrones yeah Sorry, dark suppose, you know, at night we're all you can't really see what's going on their original setup um, for that battle wasn't great I don't think they should have sent the cavalry in that early no the Dothraki did not need to get it was yeah that's because it's fancy but it's the same time like we're in that situation now like I'm not I don't really feel in control of the things that I'm doing but I am wildly stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and thrusting into the dark hoping to kill a few zombies or whatever um, and we just have to do it we don't have a choice we just have to do it and we just have to hope that it's worth it because and, it will yeah. be in the end. Like we at least, at least we tried and we know that we gave it everything. Um, and they did win in the end. We just need Narya Stark to come and stab someone, I think. Yeah, so. we definitely need the Aya. Again, um, that is, that is. It's John McDonald. And when like when you've got someone being pessimistic and they think, oh, it's not going to happen. Okay, they're the fr at that moment they're Frodo. You know, they're on the edge. They're they're literally they need carrying up Mount Doom. Be their Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> be somebody's Samwise people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> be someone's yeah. Samwise. De de defeatism is a poison and should be snuffed out. Yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm joining in on this nerd thing, but we. We need the eagles, really. Yeah, shit. Where's Gandalf, man? Uh, what would the eagles be? Um, they came a little bit late. Why John McDonnell again. <laughs> yeah, right at the very they end. They could have dropped the ring into Mount Doom for everyone. Oh, no, because they have to do the distraction thing, I don't know. That's what the yeah. That's what that other bit is. You've got to yeah, be subtle about it. Make sure the orcs Potentially don't Potentially hit the limits of the metaphor, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's okay. But still, be someone Samwise. It's, be it's some what you need. <laughs> Hashtag be someone Samwise, yeah. You know. By just telling them it'll be fine. Show them some positive t statistics. Um, so, yeah, I think good job, everybody. We seem to have quite comprehensively covered the education portion and more of those manifestos and good chats had by all. So anyway, um, and to you lot, thank you for listening to Requires Improvement. I've been your host, Lauren. And today I've been joined by our, well, not our guests, our co-hosts. Charlie. Lee. Nick. 
Um, and basically, just so you know where you can find us, um, find us on Twitter and our handle is at RequiresPod. Any comments, any shares, share it far and wide, please. We'll be very appreciative of that. Um, yeah, please tell your friends. Um, and we are on SoundCloud and Spotify. I'd really Thank like you. for us eventually to be on iTunes, but they've been rejecting us so far. So, But maybe one day. Anyway. Let us in! Yeah. Let us in. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Yeah, Thank we'll you see you uh, we'll see you at the victory party on uh, on December the thirteenth. Nobody's going to work on the thirteenth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to work sober either way, I can tell you that. Oh god, yeah. Um but yeah, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening. We can't do it without your support. And um, keep up the hope. Be someone, Samwise, and have a <laughs> lush bit of time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>